Hello, you're listening to The Consequential Podcast, where this week we will be talking about the books we're ashamed not to have read. That's right, rather than talking about things we know anything about, we're talking about why we have been avoiding some of the great luminary works of comics. But before that, Roger, hello. Hello. Lucy, hello. Hi. What have you read? I have read a whole bunch of stuff for once, and as usual it's all the shit you guys gave me because I don't have a single original thought in my head. How's that working out for you? <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, I read The Red Road. Leak. Well, yeah. Uh, which Roger passed on. Is it Rosie or Rosie? I didn't I know. I don't know. It's one of those, O is one of those vowels with mm. that after it when it's really hard to tell. Yeah, and O with a Z, that could go I don't want to presuppose either one. Fuck you, English language. Well, Rosie or Rosie Hathaway wrote The Red Road. Indeed. Indeed she did. Um... We, so we talked a bit last time, it was discussed about the sort of borrowing of other cultures' mythology. I think we sort of got as far as we were going to get on that, that we were yeah, basically sure. not sure how uncomfortable to be about it. It quick, didn't quick feel recap, like a bad it's version, a... but it didn't feel amazing either. It mm. was... So it's a, it's a take on a Native American tale, is that right? Yes. Well, that's the problem. So like a few a little bit of Wikipedia research suggests that it's a take on what patronizing appropriated hippie culture has staked out as a version of Native American culture. Mm. How did you find that? Well, I don't know, so the the whole kind of the whole deal is the sort of narrator kind of trying to get from a bad place to a better place with the aid of sort of some friends which happen to be wolves and stuff that she meets along the way um, sounds pretty good I don't know um, I'd like to be helped by wolves I can imagine that you would you, you follow a lot of husky twitter feeds I do because huskies are the fucking best how do you feel about husky huskies like huskies with a chest, chest yeah, infection yeah, I could go with that yeah. huskies and goats I'm, I'm, fucking, I'm all about the huskies and the goats they could live together because goats are like companion animals but do huskies like eating goats? Maybe. Further research. I think, research I think you can train them not to eat goats. But can you put them in a boat together with a sack of corn is the real question. I thought it was a cabbage. A sack of corn, as I've always known it. Okay. Maybe a cabbage. Hmm. The Red Road. Yes. Um, which is the topic at hand. Good heavens. <laughs> I think that might be the first time in, what, 38 episodes that you've been the one to bring us back on track. Thank you, I'm here all week. Um... I'm not really in the market for redemption narratives at the moment. I didn't want to hear about how somebody else did some meaningful stuff and then felt better. It was it was not well sort of timed. The basis of Western fiction. Yeah, yeah. Do you, so, do you think you think that's what happened? I don't know. I was also. I mean, because my reading of it was very different. Okay, so I wasn't paying a lot of attention at the time. It's also fair to say I'm not doing well on attention span or redemption right. narratives. So, to the chase, I thought she was hallucinating on her way to death whilst slowly dying, obviously to death. I, I thought she was slowly dying outside the ransack camp, having been brutally assaulted as the snow started to fall. Interesting. I can... I can come to that conclusion from the narrative, but it was if that is where it was going, it was done in a way that still felt too redemptive mm. for well, me. It was a little bit death sets me free. Rather, I thought it was death sets me free rather than I don't know, my I, I, life. I get yeah, I got more of a sort of working through my problems towards freedom 
vibe than a death will set me free vibe but right. i can see how you could come at either interpretation it's it's fairly thin mm. as as both sort of text and pictures yeah it's, it's, it's a what, small 20 pages a slender volume um so there's probably the the potential there to read the animals as either totem or psychopomp depending on how you want to over psychoanalyze a 20 page comic can't they just be friends they could be delightful animal friends yes like, like, so, well, friends. I'm guessing but they're then why can't Pomps be friends that's well, half the premise of Gunnar Cord. oh god it's really bad it's even worse at the moment we don't we don't need the Gunnar Cord. I can't stop, stop reading. reading it I can't stop you reading hate it. reading it I know it makes me actively angry read Jezebel instead and then stop hate reading that that's what I did alright yeah, has everyone stopped reading questionable content years yes. ago okay right Lucy what else have you read what else have I read I read Roller Girl by Victoria Jameson. Yay, Roller Derby. And it was the thing that I actually liked of all the stuff Which that I read this week. sort of a, a current young adult comic darling. Yes, it's, it's people, people are enjoying it. It's the story of Astrid, who's a sort of tween, preteen, who goes to a Who even knows what those guys I anymore? Know, They've got so many names. Exactly. I didn't even realise it was a young adult until, I, until the, that one panel towards the end where she kind of does the hey kids look to camera. Hmm. Um, she's, she's I think, 12, and she goes to a roller derby bout with her mum and gets really into it and goes to roller camp, but then it's really, really hard because, I mean, fucking hell, roller skating is pretty fucking hard. You know, it's a shame that I will never get to use my preferred derby name. Which is? Kylvia Shankhurst. Excellent. It's a really good one. It's a really good one. Yeah. That is is excellent. Yeah, it's got, it's got so many layers. That's brilliant. (laughs) But no, I don't have the coordination, tolerance for public failure, or indeed the kind of less bruisable epidermis that one sort of mm. needs to be able to persevere with it as a sport. You also have to put up with a lot of people who are flaky as shit. Yeah. I'm not good with other people. No, no. I should probably stay away from them and should, not weaponize myself with skates. So the one time I tried roller skating as a kid, I gave my dad a permanent scar by falling over and just kicking him up the leg with the metal part. So not a case that, you know, you got on them, thought this isn't for me, went back into the house and cut your father. (laughs) Just glass the fucker. So I never again, motherfucker, and then just screwdriver to the armpit. Well, exactly. (laughs) It's fine. Armpit? It's really sensitive. You know, someone punches (laughs) you in the armpit. It's really nasty. It bruises. Oh. Do do we need to test this? There's major muscle groups there. It hurts. I I thought I was the one that had a miserable time at boarding school. You sound like did, you've been through some stuff. I did martial arts. I got punched in a lot of places. Oh, God. You roundhouse kicked a guy to the face. Not on purpose. No, but you did do it. Yeah, but I wasn't meant to. I took exactly two karate lessons, got kicked in the balls and stopped. Pilgrim's I Imagine what you'd have done if you got kicked in the face. <laughs> so, I think we're By all me. agreed... In fact, let's find no, out. Sorry. That's fine. I was going to say, I think we're all agreed that childhood sports just aren't great when They're you get injured all the time. But not Roller me, Girl, no. the book, Roller is Girl, the book. good. It's good. It had, it was, um, I mean, I guess if I had any criticism of it, it would be that teenagers' problems are just like, God, teenagers, why do you have this particular set of problems? I mean, I guess the thing I didn't really identify with was that these weren't my problems when I was a teenager. Mm. It's not necessarily that my problems when I was a teenager were actually worse or bigger, but they did feel a lot more catastrophic than my. Um, I threw a soda at my friend and now my friend is mad kind of thing. Like, yeah, 
I thought it did an okay, but not great job of capturing the fact that when you're a kid, it feels like this trivial bullshit is everything, but it yeah. kind of isn't. Um, I think it didn't quite have enough cynicism to fully sell that. Mm. No, it's, it, it's earnest, but pleasingly earnest. It's not too earnest to be enjoyable. Um, but no, I, it was very colourful, very pretty. No, I liked it a lot. Uh, it was a good book. You should read it. Okay, my turn next. I had one more. Sam Zabel and the Magic Pen. Indeed. Which is a sort of redemption narrative for yes, uh, about a middle-aged male creator's struggle to create, which I'm just so interested in. Please tell me more of your struggle. Let me uh. perceive it. In all, it, its, in all its fucking culmination of that very problem having been solved in the production of the artifact, Glory, that's, you know, not only did you have the problem, but you fixed it by doing the thing that was telling me all about it, and I don't care. Have you read Sabbath Theatre? I have not. Don't. Okay, I I think it's like... I think maybe give the sculptor a miss as well. It's yeah. The, it's, it's the holy icon in the church of this shit. God. Well, I think the, the Manic Pixie Dream aspect of the sculptor and fetishization of brain problems there within were going to be an automatic no for me. Yeah. White um, dudes, be better. Like, I don't need um, fucking Scott McLeod to tell me about my own brain disease. I, I had um, a much less visceral response to Sam's Able, but yeah, the same criticisms are there. It's like, I don't need another of these. I really don't need another Also, he drew these. like a hundred boobs, maybe two hundred, and they all have the fucking same nipples. Like, I get that it's meant to be a fantasy, but it was really... For something that was trying to be progressive in quite a lot of its ideas, the fact that there was just zero body diversity in any of the fantasy shit really bothered me. He drew the same fucking beautiful woman with perfect pert nipples a hundred times, and I didn't care. So, I mean, to an extent it is meant to be about this creator claiming his idea of eroticism and learning not to be ashamed of it. But, yeah, it's not, but if that it's not great. idea of eroticism is, as it sounds, achingly mainstream and completely systemically validated by pretty much every facet of sexual culture, in the media at least. To be honest, his, his art style doesn't really support the notion that it's meant to be erotic at all. That's true. Um, but if that's the case, then it sort of loses its point. The, I can't remember her name, but the manga character... And her plot arc was... Kind of grim. Horrifying. So it's what, a tortured creator chasing an erotic dream based around a particular person and trying to not, reify not, it? Not especially, no. It's about him. Oh. It's essentially, it's it's a sort of indie creator who gets locked into working for a DC comic. Oh, that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. And he ends up writing this overly sexualized version of an older superhero character. Um, and it kind of completely strips his will to write and his ability to engage. Um, and he finds the magic pen, which allows him to enter various other creators' works, and he engages with the way that they wrote escapism for themselves. So some of it is sort of... is uh, The time frame shifted from the 30s to the 60s, but it's Edgar Rice Burroughs' um, John Carter of Mars analogue. Mm-hmm where he no, winds up in a harem full of green women. Um, really? And yeah, it, perfect pert green women. They are very pert. But they're also sort of comedically comedically over-the-top designed to please. It's a very simplistic 
um, fantasy that that sort of completely completely removes any notion that kind of agency of from them. Pointy pinup nonsense. To an extent, yes. But it's more, Lassie, it's more just kind of imagine a sort of nineteen fifties white bread guy. What does he want? He wants a lot of nubile people who just want to look after him. Well, imagine behavioural programming wasn't a complex interplay between environment, brain chemistry and all of that. Imagine it was just a couple of lines of code that said, I actually really want to have sex with this guy. And then make him a sandwich. And there's plenty of And it doesn't stuff. present it as right. No, there's plenty of stuff around the edges that is trying to tease it apart as wrong and redeem it and make it sort of introduce feminist stuff. I mean, the feminist stuff was so fucking 101 that I didn't need to be told by a man who hadn't grasped as much of it as I would have hoped, given the narrative he was trying to present. It also, I mean, I guess, comparing it to Hixel, which I haven't read in a long time, it felt a lot thinner, even though it was a lot longer. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Hicksville felt like a complete work, and this really felt like it was grasping to make a point. The only um, Hicksville also felt like the character stories worked outside of the, outside of the greater plot plot, plot point mm. of you know creativity's good. You should probably try and guard it and um, don't nick shit and sell it off to corporations. That's bad. I think there's an interesting. So um, it took me a while to remember that you were talking about the same book that we discussed a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. just because the approaches and things that you've taken away from it are quite different, or at least the things that you kind of both come up with first. So Dave described something that I thought sounded a bit glib, but kind of dull, about a, a comic about the comics industry with maybe some stuff about floor creators and, yeah, whatever. And you've described something compellingly horrible about this problem with male writers of a certain stripe romanticising their own creative exercise. It was so well meant and so badly executed against that quantity of meaning. Yeah. And the meaning didn't make up for the execution even mm. slightly. I now kind of want to I want to at least leaf through it and see where I come down on it's, this. I mean, it's fairly, it's fairly quick. It won't take you mm. long. But. It, does some, it does some interesting things around engaging with how fandom tends to work within, um, within comics. So there are various different fan characters who have had the pen and can enter the fiction and change things at various points and you have the sort of manga obsessed character who overly sexualizes you know 13 14 year old girls and then you have sort of the modern with female fan the sort of the tumblr fan for want of a better mm. word the, the feminist aware thing. yeah yeah um and different approaches to fandom and interaction and that stuff works better but it's given more time i think you have to really, really fucking reach for the subtext to really to get much out of the individual eras that it's critiquing. Mm. Um, it just, it just doesn't hang together. That's it, its its problem. It fails to say what it's trying to say particularly effectively. The bit, the only bit that I actually found interesting was when he goes back to I can't remember what her name was, but the the character he'd been doing the hypersexed version of when he sort of goes back to the world of her original, the sort of peaceful moon place where she just kind of contemplates. Like, I can get behind contemplating on the moon. That's yeah. Yeah. something I can I can see myself enjoying. But but it was a, a little sort of thin, not made much of vein at the end of something that overall I just didn't really enjoy. It's available as a webcomic as well if anyone's interested in it, but um, I genuinely struggled with it. That... that page an episode thing might have mm. 
might have contributed to it not working as well. So you also read uh, Injection, which I, I did. think we all read. So Injection is the new comic from Warren Ellis, Declan Shelby, and Geordie Belair, the the Moon Knight team. Oh as yeah. Calling them. Um, who wants to Who wants to introduce it, Lucy? It's still your go. Yeah, I probably don't want to introduce it though. Roger, when introduce you guys it. are going to do a better job. Roger, Roger has been spaffing himself silly and interrupting every conversation we've tried to have over the last few weeks to talk about injection. So Roger, not just on the podcast, injecting himself no, into the no, conversation. No, honestly, it's made it very, very hard to do our jobs. I've been wanking myself into a frenzy about this, which has made it very, very hard to do our jobs. But it's given HR something to do. Yeah, well, like you know, I crashed and facilities the, and facilities. I crashed that strategy meeting. I, I turned. Up in your daily stand-up. Yeah. 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 It's given me a the company is spending a ridiculous amount on window cleaner. Don't eat the Caesar salad. Tell us about injection. (laughs) And yet it turns out that it wasn't quite as awesome as I anticipated, although I do think it's still gonna go to great places. I think you might have 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 wound yourself up a little bit much about one issue. I know, I so I had exactly the same thought about um, trees. And it turned out to be amazing. I think Warren is writing to a different rhythm, but I'll come to that. So Injection has this backstory of a few years ago, five people, I think the strap was something like five people poisoned the 21st century. Now they have to stop it getting to, before anyone finds out, they have to stop it getting too weird to live in. It's something like that. It's not unlike trees, it's very familiar territory for Warren Ellis. It's old spooks or people from the, if not espionage, then covert science world. It's got some of that planetary style mystery archaeology. Mystery archaeology is one of his tropes, right? So it opens it with. Not as much as bastards yeah. is one of his tropes, but it is. It opens with five people, well, initially one, but basically five people coming out of retirement or at least being referenced after they've been doing various things to solve some problems. And we see flashes of their backstory, which are the beginnings of them coming together to, as the jacket blurb says, cause some problems. So there are there are five people there, academics of some kind, archaeologists, scientists, something, folklorists maybe, it's not totally clear. One There's of the guys guy, might be a magician. The guy who's presented as a folklorist is sort of described as being the one true magician of the British Isles. Maybe. Maybe. Probably. Depending on what they do with it. So there's a probably folk wizard, there's tech lady, there's angry archaeologist lady, um, the other two I'm not really sure. We've not been massively introduced to them yet. And we... They haven't haven't appeared in the present day yet. In the flashbacks we see them meet to work on some stuff. For a shady uh, company. For a shady company that uh, describes itself as stuff to do with force projection, so it's probably a defence contractor that has tentacles into government. Government agencies appear. Something funny is going on. The previous research team has been lost, and bastard lady with the walking stick has to come and sort it out. It's very, very Warren Ellis. But in places he's not been before, not been before in this regard, it's very English so far. He talks about... There's a line, it's something like the English countryside has a grim dead gravity or, or something like that. It, it's <sighs> sapphire and steel, that kind of thing. It's Scarfolk. If you if you don't if, if if Scarfolk isn't in your kind of rotation of horrifying nonsense to occasionally look at, it should be. Um, it's better than that crow in a box I keep. 
England is horrifying and weird, and here are some people that have done stuff to fuck it up, probably with nanites, because it's always fucking nanites. Um, and now they're going to have to tidy up after themselves. Appears to be what it is. Yeah, that's that's pretty much true. Um, I was not quite as excited as you were, but then I am also aware of how narrative unfolds. And... Zing. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Don't fuck with me, dude. No, no. He threatened to kill me on the last one. Did he? He sounded was like he, right he sounded to do like so? you. Yeah, I was. I was yeah. He, he was baiting me good. Um, I can't believe that I'm a peacekeeping force. I'm going to put live mackerel in his bottom. So I, um, I liked it, and you're right. It's not the super exciting, sexy times you were hoping for. But you put it next to trees and it's the same speed of unfold. I think... Yeah. This, this might be a gross generalisation. Moon Knight doesn't fit because Moon Knight is more compartmentalised. No, it's... it's Ellis went away for a bit. one and done. And he wrote a bad novel and a good novel and did some work for TV that may or may not see the light and then he came back and started writing comics and my golly, he's gone decompressed. Yeah. And he said that he's happy to do that. He doesn't... He sort of reached a point where his name carries weight by itself and he doesn't really feel like he's got to deliver a cohesive, you know, an episode well, in an issue. The hump that gets you over is not exemption of criticism, it's not guaranteed sales. I think the hump it gets him over is he can sell, he can still sell the issue two almost regardless of the issue one, which expands the expository space. It does and I just wonder how much of it is just sort of aimed at the trade paperback market he's always been good for that Lucy it's probably least your thing least of all well it's also true that the trade market is pretty much where I sit in terms of enjoying narrative I'm I can't think of a single series where I knew from the first couple that it was definitely a big go of me, or I wasn't sort of faintly annoyed by the speed of unfolding of the first single. And that was, again, the case here, that sort of, the kind of... There are many, many ways you can do it, and the alluding to lots of big stuff that you're not going to fill in until later, and a bunch of acronyms and organisations that you're not going to really touch on for a while, just doesn't do it as a hook mechanism for me. I imagine there must be some people for whom it does, or else they wouldn't write like that. But it used to get me. I found this annoying. I thought that because there was the density. There were two pages where it was just bang, bang, yeah. bang. The this corridors is important in the new business. Yeah. There was the, those. Those pages were pages of like, tell me why I should care, and so far you haven't. That's not to say. I mean, it was interesting enough as a premise that I will probably continue to read it, particularly if Roger continues to send me the PDFs. Um, but not sort of. I'm not wanking over it. What did you? I mean, did you enjoy it? I guess I didn't. I I can't. You, I can't tell. It's too short. I don't know. Yeah, this is the thing. I I didn't. It didn't offend me, it annoyed me somewhat, but that was more sort of narrative pacing than anything else, and that can be sort of resolved over the course of the run. Have you read Desolation Jones? I haven't. Okay, so that's, that's the, L, so from only the first issue, that's the War Alice I'm aware of that it's closest to. Okay. But. 
I mean, yeah. it, it, it felt like Warren was doing his thing to an extent, but I'm kind of okay with his thing, so that wasn't too troublesome. But if you're not into his thing, I imagine that'd be quite off-putting. Warren Ellis doing folk horror, which is what, you know, it's pretty much all that that, that issue sold me on, is enough to keep me reading? That's that's fine. I'll, For some I'll people, though, Warren Ellis doing folk horror is like, get this away from me. Yeah. yeah, sure. But we don't need those people. We can push them into the sea. No, I think it's fair. Some people genuinely think he was better in the sort of William Gibson-esque years, right? Like, there are plenty of people that look at one else's stuff and say, well, when are we going to get the next, the next trans man? And, as Kieran Gillen said on Twitter, when's he going to get an Eisner? I'm not endorsing the view, I just thought that well, was the yeah, thing that bloody, I said. I, yeah, I was amazed. I guess that's why Gillen tweeted it, right? It sort mm. of popped into his It sort of seems amazing yeah. that he's done all of this and has never received an Eisner. Well, for so many th- there are so many things on their own that would be, you know, well worth flagging up. It's yeah. like, you could, there's loads you can write off as well, right? So the Authority and Stormwatch are good, but they're not particularly remarkable, whereas most of Planetary, pretty fucking good. Transmet, it's one of those. It's, it's a big ticket. If it, was, if it was now, it would be on image and it would be selling three times as much. Yeah. Mm. Um, um, some of the little things. Like some of them some are a little bit more flimsy than others. So, um, Ocean, Meh, Orbiter. Orbiter's pretty, pretty quiet dark. Orbiter's not a million miles away from this. It's the sort of science and magic uh, mm-hmm. meet in a dark room and get sticky. In, in terms of creation and production, how does this fit into the fact that Trees has had a trade, the Moon Knights had a run? What, what are they sort of, what's their plan? Do we know what their plan is? Can we know what their plan is? I think the, the so... I'm not sure. Um, Declan said he was working on this basically in perpetuity now. He's not taking other work apart from sort of one-page commissions and mm-hmm. covers. So this is this is his focus in terms of major work. And I think, I guess, as the penciler and inker, he's the slowest point on it. Mm-hmm. I think it, uh, this is like... This is a dumb analogy, but I'm going to roll with it. I think it's their Wick Div. It's like, okay. there's a core story they'll tell, but there's also a big universe. It's mm-hmm. their big project. And, you know, Wick Div is Gil and the Sandman. It's, it's that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, here's a, a world. I'm going to tell a core story through it. There's plenty of space to meander as well. It could run for a while. Yeah. I think it has a ton of potential. And I like folk horror in general. Um, it did some things around national identity that I liked. Um, the sort of it's complicated you can't actually fully ignore it even if you think it's a ridiculous notion um, I liked the way that they were playing with that with um, uh, with the, the maybe magician I, w- I would give it a, a cautious carry on reading so with Trees I looked at the third issue, first issue thought fuck yeah but I'm waiting for the trade and I honestly can't decide whether to read this episodically or trade weight Trees was so obviously going to be better as a trade. I think this is too. I think most things are, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think there's a point around 100 pages where I'm happy to read a comic. Um, there's a point around 800 where it becomes unwieldy to hold, uh, like my ridiculous Sandman editions and those Invisibles creations. Unless you're doing something truly episodic that does work within the single... There's tons of stuff that does. Like Squirrel Girl does, Moon Knight does. Mm-hmm. There's lots of things that, you know... They're, Planetary they're did, one actually, until it reached a new one. Planetary was designed for it, and this has been very consciously designed not for that. It's designed to be a longer story with beats, certainly, but not necessarily beats shaped around a single issue. Yeah, Son of Transmet did. Warren Warren is very, very good at writing episodically when he wants to. 
Yeah. He knows the medium. He knows what he's doing. I'm quite happy to wait and see. Yeah. It's clear that with this, he doesn't want to. Yes, absolutely. Did he... Is he on record as saying that, I think? Yeah. Um, yeah, he was saying... I mean, it doesn't really matter because it's... There was, a big, there was a big long yeah. analogy about um, Spike Milligan and, and uh, just... You can quit the sketch when you've done the jokes. You don't really need to wrap it up. Um, this is his one of those. Grand failing of Monty Python. Yes. So Monty Python failed, but on two levels, right? The over-abrupt endings because they thought they'd done the joke without really doing any kind of bits of finesse, and then the massively overextending when they thought they had another thing to say, which was very funny when they were good, but fucking hell, it's painful to rewatch. Too much dross to care about getting yeah. into the good bits. There are like, what, a billion who, series and there's one good one in there? I mean, I guess as somebody who didn't wasn't sort of exposed to it at the time, wasn't really exposed to it as a child, coming as an, at it as an adult, I just don't care. I think it's a bit like um, Defoe. Yes. So one of the reasons, we don't necessarily read Defoe because he was a fucking amazing pro stylist, we read him because the ideas are interesting, some of the prose is good. This, and is, also this is Daniel Defoe, not Defoe the 2000 AD comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because it's really good to know where this stuff comes from. To be honest, that's kind of the case for a lot of stuff of that period. Mm. You're reading it for the ideas, not for the styling or the prose. And the, the, and the, the lineage of the medium. Yeah. I mean, yes, of course you can read a modern novel without knowing where the novel came from, but... Cambridge yeah. won't let you, so well, yeah. we're both fucked. Yeah. Also, it's interesting to have a little bit of background now and then. No one's ever made me read Tristram Shandy, or just tried, but I'm not gonna. It's really good. Would you rather drink Shandy? It's deeply no. flawed, but it's really okay. good. You should read Tristram Shandy. Oh, what else have you read? I've read Tristram Shandy, you can. Good. Have you ever drunk Shandy? Not for a while. Mm. Have you read, for example, Station 16 by Eve H. and her man? I have. How did you know? Says it on the list. Says it on the list, yeah. Golly. What's that like? It's a book. It's about yay big. This is not a visual medium. It's the future radio. They can't um, see you at home. The, uh, the covers are actually, uh, when you aggregate on aggregate, are actually thinner, uh, thicker than the middle. It's, uh... the, bit, the bit in the middle can generally be considered to be some sort of narrative form combining pictographs of a sort and words. Tell us about the fucking comic! It's the hamburger of the book. The patty. Tell us about the juicy meat within. The juicy story meat. Yes. A little grisly, I found. It's... Will you let me have that one? Yeah, you can have yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, you can have that one. Just to get it over with. Um, so it's trying to be um, two types of horror story, and it doesn't entirely succeed at being either of them. It is good. It's beautiful. I think it might have originally been French. I'm not totally sure. It reads like it's been translated by someone that should really have had another pass. Uh, it's like the dialogue can be quite flat. It, the characters all sound the same, and I don't know if that's a thing with the original or if the translation is just a little lackluster. But you've got a nearly... Who publishes it? Dark Horse, I think. Could go either way. Could have been Dark Horse. It, it's too high quality to be... So visually and stylistically, it feels a bit like a Cinebook, who generally have quite good translation, I think, but terrible publishing quality. But it feels like, it feels like a piece of Dark Horse publishing, but it's the kind of thing Cinebook would do. It's, um, you've got a Russian military outpost in, like, Siberia, I think, in the late 90s. It's not quite contemporary, but it's not. I think, crucially, it's pre-Putin. Um, it's sort of Russia at the very, very fag end of recognisable as post-Soviet Russia, as opposed to bizarro... Re-Soviet Russia. Oligarchic, what-the-fuck mm. Russia. It is, uh, it is Dark Horse. Yeah. 
Um, so those, that sort of glorious, what, six years in the 90s where you could have a McDonald's but everything wasn't fucked. Yeah. Okay. Well, the, Russia where it could really have gone either way as to what the fuck was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine people were terribly anxious about that. Or, I don't really remember. Um, and this military base is, like, in Siberian terms, two doors down from a decommissioned and classified facility where they did goodness knows what. Mm-hmm. And it's staffed by dropouts and fuckwits who drink and shout at each other. And then they get a distress call from the 10, 20, 30 years abandoned base over the mountain and go and investigate. There are some visual touchstones around stuff like the thing, I guess. That's, that's a visual reference point, blizzards and isolation. They get to the base, they're a aurora-like phenomenon that seem to slip them back in time or make weird things happen with the timeline. They see a nuclear detonation, but nothing has exploded. There are all sorts of odd things going on. And then the body horror starts. There are scary medical procedures and people with their eyes cut out and all sorts of weird, nasty things. And it, it gradually becomes obvious that they're sort of stuck in a time loop and they've created their own situation. The distress call they heard is the final distress call that the lone survivor makes at the end. And mm-hmm. So you've got that kind of sick unwinding thing that works, yeah. that works well when it's done well, but isn't done that well here. And then eventually he escapes only to be recaptured and have horrible things done to him. It's... There's a marginally, possibly quite better done thing that would make a really good horror film, and mm-hmm. this doesn't quite deliver on it. It's, it's worth a look. It's beautiful. It's kind of painty. It's got a lot of browns in it for something arctic-y. Uh... It's one of those things where I hear the premise and think I really want to read that, but I know it's not going to be as well executed as I want that premise to be, and thus I probably just shouldn't bother. Yeah, pretty much. The artwork's actually reminding me of um, Hannah Berry to an extent. Not, not, not as good. in the faces, but in the landscapes, the colouring and the layouts. It's well, Hannah Berry would have done it much better as well. She's got a, a pretty good ear for intricate narrative. And horror. Yeah. True. Oh, God, I know I really want now I really want the Hannah Berry version of that premise. We'll petition her for it. We could ask nicely, couldn't we? Mm-hmm. It's she's got a lot haranguing when you're just yelling at someone yeah, on, sure. on the internet. Mm. I so think she's got a lot on. What if we get a sort of, you know, change.org type thing going? That's petitioning. Yeah, but they, they email you a lot. They do. So you also read Pisces, which is the new book by Curtis... Weeb? Weeby? Weeb? 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 The guy who does Rat Queens. Rat Queen guy. The Rat Queens guy. So and someone called Johnny Christmas, who is not a porn star. Maybe he ties a little ribbon around it. Hangs a bauble off the end. Yeah. A bauble. Just sounding with an icicle. Or a candy cane. Or a candy cane. That's, that's seasonal. Snack. You would get a UTI in fucking seconds. You would. I once mixed up UTI and IED and got very confused at a news report. Well, better than getting confused in downtown Afghanistan, I guess. Better than or the doctors. IED and IUD confused, depending on which you want fitted. Oh, golly. I don't think any reputable doctor, doctor is going to fit you with a UTI. They're not going to measure you up. No, it's an IED. Or an IED. <laughs> Um, 
Sorry, what was the question? The intermittent swearing. I really hope someone's just Googling these acronyms now (laughs) and slowly losing faith in everything. Just us, really, not everything, just faith in us. Us, all the characters we portray on this show. All the characters we portray. Giving the game away. Um, Pisces, Pisces. tell us. So I will... Every Thursday, Image email me with the new releases email, and I'm guaranteed to buy at least some of their sci-fi stuff. New Copperhead! New drink! New Copperhead! Um... Pisces is... It's New Copperhead is not related to the candy cane incident, is it? No, it's um... Crikey. So, you're a bad man. Pisces was was billed as something that sounds fantastic and the first issue doesn't deliver. And again, long opening, so maybe I'll check out the next one, except it wasn't that good. But you've got to get the character Dylan something or other, who's a Vietnam vet. A little bit tortured, but returns to this sort of picket fence perfect life, which then promptly falls apart, uh, and starts training as an astronaut for secret stuff. But there's a voice in his head calling him to the stars, says the jacket blurb, or preamble, or whatever the hell they call it. Solicit? So do we, what, what, are we, what, what is Solicit. The, yeah. um, it's the, the blurb shit in Diamond Comics, basically. Yeah. In, the, in the first issue, we pretty much just see him turning up drunk and late to a birth, presumably his child. I was really hoping you were going to say astronaut school. And getting punched in the face. I imagine he'll turn up drunk and late to astronaut school. Uh, And then promptly having flashbacks to nearly dying in Vietnam and having to do some genuinely horrible things, at which point voices in his head make him walk into the sea, which he hallucinates as space, and the issue ends. And the art is deeply boring for the day-to-day stuff and quite cool for the psychedelic stuff and the writing is neither here nor there and the premise kind of has me but I didn't enjoy it it looks like there's some great layouts for the last work of day so this is the thing Um, I read that and I read there was another thing uh, Salamanca the Shadow Salamanca and one of the things they both had in common a completely irrational point of commonality is quite workaday pencils with amazing use of page composition Except when Shadow Salamanca Salamanca is genuinely excellent. Uh, I mean, those are separate skills. It's interesting. They do sometimes coexist in the same person, and sometimes Mm. they clearly come separately. Yeah, this this is really good layout and fairly mediocre. Mm. Uh, So Shadow Salamanca is a complete book published by Humanoids. Yes, is that right? And it's brilliant. And I keep meaning to review it for the site. And if I'm not careful, you're going to get half an hour on this. Let's do the quick version, then you can write it up like a good boy. It's by Christoph Beck and Stefano Raphael. Mm. And it is? It is, again, it's um, structured like a horror movie, quite tightly. It's one of those... It's a bit like the Monster of the Week X-Files. Okay. Uh, You've got some outsiders that come to a small community on the edge of the woods, and there's something in the woods, and obviously it turns out that everyone in the town is in on at least some of the secret, but something's gone wrong and let it out. But, of course, there's a more troubling past to it all. They, the characters investigate. They find the layers of deception. They find out what's particularly gone wrong. They try to put it right. And then they don't win, and it all goes horrifyingly wrong. And there's some really extraneous, like, doesn't really add very much sexual violence stuff. And, in fact, there's some generally problematic sexualization and some sex shaming. And it just doesn't really seem to like women. Grim. So there's two books here, really. There's, there's the the really good thing that it very nearly is and would be if it didn't sabotage itself with the horrible gender stuff. Mm. And then there's the the needless sexualization and the Madonna whore stuff. And they all, I'll, I'll get to some of this, but 
Um, it's a really pacey, quite atmospheric, small town, something in the woods horror. Mining community, tragedy in the past, no one really knows why. That's the backstory. There are creepily no, don't really seem to be any children in the town, what's up with that? And then people start getting injured or savaged and there's something and it's the sort of hideous, mystical, somewhat monstrous feral child that's been kept chained in a basement under a, with a series of tunnels under the town. And Do you remember the first episode of The X-Files? The very, uh, no, I don't. There's a bunch of kids in the town end up sort of catatonic and they've got these two dots on their back where they've mm. been alien fucked with. I have birthmarks in exactly that place I found out. Nicely creepy. Yeah. Mm. I just no. wanted to it's, add that. It's, ve- it's very X-Files. It's, it's very, very X-Files. Uh, and you're going to write something about it. The main character... Yeah, I'm going to try to. The main character tries to... So there are a few things that are deeply implausible about it all that don't really click together. The, the main character overcoming some of the issues she's got to the point where she does the investigation she does just doesn't quite... Like, she flips from being... A badly drawn sort of 50s housewife caricature but with some mental health issues to being plucky investigatey lady and it, the character the, the characterization of it don't sit together and they try and smooth it over with this interior voice that she talks to that's sort of a projection from a traumatic experience in her childhood and they argue and that's kind of fun but there's a lot of stuff that's been thrown at the wall to try and get it to stick and it doesn't quite click mm. And some very problematic sexual stuff. So there are things like panels that... There's, there's a scene where she's touching her belly. She's constantly anxious about whether or not she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. But the, the framing of it, it's not... There's no... It's not uncertain touching of the body and it's not tenderness. It's male gaze yeah. going down to the underwear and the showing a little bit of pubic hair through tiny panties. Of course. There's, it's, it's just really male gazy and there's some unpleasant sex shaming. I guess when you've when you're doing a sort of book that doesn't sound like it's very much to do with some badly done sex stuff, what what is the compulsion to just chuck that into the mix? Well, so the thing is, the um, there are these mystical beasts living in the woodland, and the local people may or may not have been ritualistically inbreeding with interbreeding with them over the years, and it may or may not have gone wrong. And then in the modern era that filters into this whole oh golly they're so virile we couldn't resist them sex shaming thing that again they just didn't really need to do Mm. it's even if you are going to do that there's a better version of that you could do than they do Mm. and then the slightly racist the Native American-y bit. Basically it's going really really well until like page 130 or something then there are five solid panels of well that's some slut shaming and that's some probably racism and that's some bad writing and I don't really get the Catholic thing there and okay I could do without the rape it's just yeah there's just this five page highly compressed fuck up and then it expands back into the story and then at the end there's the horrifying thing with the serial killer and the oh just yeah but that makes it appropriately sad it's got problems it's really good it's got problems okay and that was a present, wasn't it? Say thank you, Roger. It was indeed a present. Uh, thank you kindly, Clary. Hey, who wants to know what I've read? Uh, everybody. Everybody, yeah. So I read um, a couple of things. Uh, Vacancy by Jen Lee and The Hunter by Joe Sparrow, which are both um, part of uh, No Brow's slightly smaller uh, range of things, the 17 by 23 
which are the the sort of floppies, like the original Hilda, um, and a few other others that basically... It's a bit like the image shorts they experimented with eight years ago. Um, Yeah, but longer, higher production values. Um, Well, stiffer paper, at least. Stiffer paper. They're not only three colours. Mm. Um, is it the same Jen Lee who does Dicebox, or is it a different one? I don't know. I'm not familiar with Dicebox. Mm. Uh, it's a webcomic that I what used to it really do? like. It's a couple of people travelling through the space future. They've both got dodgy backgrounds. One of them's aristocratic, but not anymore. They have problems because society's all crumbling. I don't think it is, no. Okay. The style's very different. Um... Well, you should all go and read Dicebox anyway, because it's oh, that great. That quite pretty. I like the trousers. It's very good. Fa- good fabric wrinkles. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this is a, a different <coughs> different artist. And if it's not, she hasn't updated her website, and also she's completely changed her style. So, no, I think it's different generally. Okay. Um, but Vacancy is... It's about a dog in a post-apocalyptic future. Um, we both just made that face, except mine was slightly so it's, it's, it's anthropomorphic animals, um, and it's essentially it's a story about someone falling in with the bad kids because they feel like they're out of options. Um, there's a ton of. That's how I ended up on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. that could go either way. Let's just hope it's not like a furry version of Threads. There's a, there's a ton of ways of reading it, but basically it's about this dog who's who, the humans have disappeared this apocalypse and the dog decides he's got to go and live in the wild because he's you know he's designed for the wild he's bred for the wild um and this involves you know falling in with a uh, deer and another animal from you don't want to get in with deer the they're wild all, they're all cunts um and it's absolutely like it's it's beautifully drawn i have a i have a question go on what type of dog it's very really hard to tell question. He says he's a guard dog, so it's Alsatian perhaps, but he doesn't have Maybe. Does he look like a mutt? Or? It's not realistically rendered. It's really right. very much in a sort of modern animation style. Okay. Um, but it is really beautiful. I think I want in. Mm. I think you probably do. And it's about all of these books are basically about giving first time authors who are interesting and, you know, basically extremely, extremely uh, competent, interesting artists a chance at publishing something with a fairly major publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, Vacancy was is sort of pick of the bunch of the things I managed to read so far. Um, there's also there's a ton more that I want to read, and they're all about six or seven quid each for a short, um, short book, but decent quality. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hunters, the other one, is completely different. It's sort of a short horror narrative about a hunter who's decided to kill one of every animal. Oh, um, I saw that in Gosh. Yeah. And I very nearly bought it. It's done... Um, the art style is sort of 32-bit era pixel art, if that means anything to anyone. That's why I didn't buy it. Um, it's sort of quite high-res pixel art um, that looks like something on the Sega Saturn. Um Sega Saturn. Look, That's I'm being fucking niche. I'm being fucking precise here. About the 32-bit. There era. are not there are not many 32-bit uh, 32-bit uh, consoles or GPUs that carried sprites that large. So fuck off, frankly. You're in my town now. Mm. And again, it's sort of, it's a bit more like um, Emily Carroll stuff. It's a sort of slow build horror. Um, and to say much more would be disingenuous to anyone who wants to read it because it's 
40 pages long, mm-hmm. if that, and uh, um, has a big twist reveal. But it's great. Slightly glib, really horrible in places. Is the big twist reveal that it was running virtualized and there are 64 bits after all? I like both of those books. So the 17 by 23 range seems great. There's a couple more that I want to read. One called Golem Chick. Um, (laughs) One called Lost Property. Golem Chick as in Golem C-H-I-K, all one word. Um, Oh, right. I was not like single female lawyer. Made of clients. Wearing sexy minis, cuts and beans off for life. Yeah, like, hey, I'm just an ordinary high school girl, but life has been breathed into clay. I don't care what that rabbi wrote on my forehead, I'll do what I want. Yeah. That sort of thing. Like really patronizing, spunky female protagonist, but she happens to be a garden gnome. It could be that. I'd fucking read that. I don't... I, I think I, we'd all read that. <laughs> <laughs> That's something we've discovered today. Um, Someone should write that. We're all too lazy. Both of those books are great. Vacancy and The Hunter, both worth picking up for relatively small amounts of money, depending on how much value you want per page. I thought I had a question, but then I realised I was just going to tell you about my dream. <laughs> I read uh, Fantasy Sports Number 1 by Sam Bosma. Good, how was it? Which what? is another no-brow book. You've really been on the no-brow bender. I've, um, the no-brander. I've got a new house, I really want to put no some lovely things in it, and all of their books are lovely. That's good. They are lovely, aren't they? Fucking lovely. Fantasy Sports Number 1 is different. It's a big sort of annual size thing cloth bound hardback mm. still quite short um, and it's about a uh, apprentice at some sort of magician's guild and uh, her boss and they don't get on and they want to switch but uh, they're not allowed to and they are sent to do what they do which is raiding tombs um, and when they get to the end of the tomb and find the treasure, it's protected by Mummy's curse, which forces them to play basketball against the giant mummy that guards the throne on top of the pile of treasure. And they must learn to work together to defeat the mummy's basketball curse. Did someone write this specifically for you? Yeah, I think so. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. Um, it's sort of in a manga but slightly French manga style. Franga. Yeah, yeah Franga. Um, it's beautiful. Franga, it's so probably. silly. I think it's a one-off. I can't tell. It's got number one in there Wouldn't as though it's it the be first amazing part of the serial. But, um, it is about a very large, very gruff treasure hunter and his young magician apprentice putting aside their differences, learning to respect one another and play basketball against a giant, ever-expanding mummy. Does it have the lightness of touch for it to be as fun as that sounds? Yes. Because you could, you could make missteps so easily. It's really, it's really, really there are deft. the mummy crushes you. Yeah, true. Oh, the mummy makes some missteps. Oh. Not so good but on the footwork. It's just a bundle here. of bones and leathery skin and wrappings. Of, of all the things I've read this week, I'd sort of, I'd, I'd recommend it unreservedly because it's, so it's reasonably light, but it's also incredibly funny. It's just, it's one of those things where it's its own thing and it very, very deftly handles being its own thing. Is it, is it another of those, the, the 17 whatnots? No, it's, uh, it's 
big, big hardback. Sorry, right, yes. Um, so Where you said that like two minutes ago. I'm an idiot. The mummy sit on the scale from cartoon to realism. Um, Thundercats. I have no cultural familiarity with Thundercats. Uh, so it starts out as a wizened mummy atop a pile of um, atop a pile of uh, treasure, guarding mm-hmm. its empire of the undead, mm-hmm. which are instantly transformed into a cheering courtside audience the moment they start playing basketball. Of course, um, they're all sick then. Yeah, it's a giant guy in bandages with a slightly demonic face and a crown. I see. But in basketball duds. Of course. And bandages. Yeah. It's not scary. That's okay. Um, I do like a good mummy. It's lovely. It's mm. lovely. It's that fantastic stuff. It's a really stuff. good mummy. Fantasy sports number one, Sam Bosman. Have you seen a double sack? I have. Yes. Yes, probably. Yes. Yeah. It's charming. But it's I don't charming. remember a lot about it apart from the pterodactyl. Yeah. There's a mummy as well. More than one. Probably. I have like basically no memory of the last like maybe three or four years. Probably for the best. Yeah, it's yeah. a good time. Mm. This is a very different sort of mummy that plays basketball. Hmm? Yeah, I don't know if I can. I really need to stress the fact that it's about mummy playing basketball. I think we're there. I think I think I'm we in. and the listenership are there. I think I'm we're in. just really there. I'm I think in. he's yeah. fully there. I, I'm. I, this might be the most aligned the three of us have been about a concept yeah. for a long time. Uh, yeah. we, we like the idea of post-apocalyptic dog, but this this sounds... Mummy playing basketball does trump post-apocalyptic yeah. dog. I loved it. So, update your um, Consequential Podcast top trump cards if you've been playing along at home. We've got to do that for the Christmas edition. Christ no, we don't. It sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to make Roger read something horrible and drink heavily. That's, that's all we really have to do. So, the last thing I read... Um, was Super Mutant Magic Academy by Gillian Tamaki. Yes. You do like the Tamakis, don't you? Oh, I do. Um, and this is this is a collection of her webcomic, um, that basically what she does on her off days when she's not making comics that are precision targeted to Roger's incredibly niche tastes about Canadian teens learning things. Mm. Um, Often gay things. Often gay things. It's important to learn gay things as I a teen. I wish I'd learned more as a teen. Mm, same. And it's, I mean, it's basically joke panels. Um, it's sort of, it's, it's. The what George I think of as one is amazing. Proper, the Q one is amazing. Uh, it, it, it's basically a proper webcomic, um, <laughs> which is to say, there's a joke at the end, and you can fuck off for six months, and nothing will have happened in terms of plot. That's what I want from webcomics. Um, and That's kind of the only viable thing webcomics can do really well. Yeah, I, I, there, is a, there is a plot. There is a plot, just. But it's kind of more like... I've, kind of, I've compared it to Peanuts quite a lot when I've been describing it to people, and I think that does stand. It's basically small children having philosophical crises that might or might not be actually applicable to their age. Um, and they are resolved or not resolved in bleak ways um, which are often hilarious it's it's really scrappy compared to some of our other stuff because it's obviously sort of the joke is there it's drawn we're done now it's posted to Tumblr and we're done it's getting great press um, people are fucking loving it it's well. really funny it's so funny like I send both of you the same link to this just elaborately over constructed joke of this um Sports bro in his full collegiate jacket with the le- his letter jacket, 
um, take, oh, taking taking pictures begrudgingly, begrudgingly for an art class. Or, well, no, he's taking photos for an art class, and he gets uh, all of this praise from the photography teacher, saying, "Well, they're fantastic. They're so sensual, and whether you meant it or not, they're clearly uh, sensual works of art." To which his broy friend says to him, "She means the fattest bro." And the final panel is just brilliant. Him weeping in his room, tearing down Georgia O'Keeffe posters. <laughs> 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 it's just perfect. The layers, the layers of stupid joke and understanding there are just absolutely fucking incredible. And also laser targeted to like each of our interests. Yeah, yeah. I, I just. It's not the first time I've seen the joke of someone might really like Georgia O'Keeffe and not have noticed all of the vaginas, but goddamn it, it's have a you really seen but I'm good. Chilean. No, I've I not. have not. It's a damn good joke. I also once did a George O'Keefe pastiche at school that the uh, art teacher said looked too much like a bum, even for George O'Keefe. <laughs> <laughs> was it just a large asterisk? It was a peach. Interesting. Yeah. I'm now going to this weird mental Georgia Brokeefe place where, yeah, just... Yeah. Quick. Get out of here. Register <laughs> that Tumblr. <laughs> We should read this book, though, right? You should read this book. It's really funny. Um, it's not... If you're expecting something like this one summer, you're not getting that, but there's still actually quite a sweet art plot, even amongst all of the jokes about people not noticing when they photographed a bunch of vaginas. Um, it's... It's just, it's just lovely. There are some, like, properly precision engineer jokes in there and it's also really fucking dark and I love it good good stuff so we're gathered here today in this <laughs> corner meeting room a loving our, memory of Roger trendy but slightly dour office to talk about the um, the comics we're ashamed not to have read so everyone's got them right when 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 People are talking about the great comic memories. You just sort of go, uh-huh, yeah, I love that one. I fucking, fucking love that. Yeah. I, I want to say, uh, in, the, in the sort of following in the tracks of Race Muckles, when he says being in trouble is a fake idea, the same is kind of true about shame. As in, it's a very compelling feeling, but it's not necessarily useful. Mm. But being in trouble is such a fake idea. Well, it sort of depends on the social structures around you. Like, if, if you're in trouble and people can arrest and incarcerate you because you have, as a society, decided that's the power they wield, then... All you have to do is tell them it's a fake idea and then let you go again. Really? Yeah. Okay. How do you think I've resisted arrest so many times? Uh, fists and teeth. Fists and teeth is what I heard. <laughs> oh, grim, but true, but grim. So... You know, I feel the burning shame of a thousand suns every time I consider the books that I should have read. Yeah, but think of your upbringing. Yeah, no, that's true. I'm from Northern Ireland. We get all of the worst of Protestantism, all of the worst of Catholicism, and it's reinforced by quite a lot of societal violence, or at least it was when I was a child. Add into that some extra sort of, maybe, maybe sort of innate propensity for shame. I am probably, I'm, you know... Actually, you might not be weaponized, massive. shame. No, and I I kind of exaggerate, but 
Now, the sick unfolding oh, knowledge. I don't care a lot about what other people mm. think. Mm. Your, your, final, your final evolved form, the sick unfolding knowledge, that inexorably you're on a slow march to new dog trampolining. What Roger's doing there is he's confirming. Com- new dog trampolining. I don't really go to see bands anymore. Neither because do I. I'm in, this is the problem I have. I'm, I'm in my mid 30s. Um, I just can't, don't like standing up or other people. Yeah, that's basically it. Um, I went to a gig where I went to Frank Black, lead singer of the Pixies, who mm. I I love. Love the Pixies. Pixies, sorry, Pixies. not the Pixies. Pixies. Meldons. And um, he played a lot of Pixie songs with two dudes playing slide guitar. Oh, was it in the Honeycomb kind of era? Or? It was... Um, no, it was a bit later. It was one of the Black Franciscan Catholics albums had just come out, but I can't remember which one. Don't think it was Honeycomb. Anyway, it was fucking terrible. He played music that I liked really, really badly. Did some really weird forced interaction with the crowd about Ginster's pasties. At one point, the he took his belt off, and um, it was three and a half hours, and I'm agoraphobic, and it was a small, sweaty room. And by the end of that, I didn't really want to go to gigs anymore. I've never been to a gig that wasn't jazz. That feeling that you've got now that's is the where shame. shame should be. That's, that's, that's the shame I'm channeling. I'm going to the Montreal so, Jazz Festival soon. To feel ashamed? It's going to be lovely. You're going to eat poutine. Oh yeah, I'm going to eat poutine, I'm going to go see Joshua Redman, it's going to be a good time. I'm not going anywhere apart from work, and then my house, and then work, and then my house. Do you not have a holiday this year? I'm going to clean out my mum's garage for my birthday. Maybe it's full of presents. (laughs) (laughs) It's full of, like, my dad's old stuff. No, I'm, I'm really, really struggling with the concept of holidays. Um, and shame, it seems, which is really something we probably could have, could have done with knowing before we went into this podcast about shame. I'm not only going to the Montreal Jazz Festival. But you are also going <laughs> to the Montreal yes. Jazz Festival. Can we talk about the comics that we haven't read? Let's, yes. Let's. I know it's my fault. No, I think this one's mine. Lucy, in your... Conceptual shame space. Yes. What comics do you store there? In your shame box. Roger just like flipped out a little bit. He did something with Roger. his arms that I didn't understand. Roger just had a stroke. Uh, um, I... Is anyone a doctor? Uh, no. Like literally no one? Literally no one. Not oh, any of us. That's going to be a problem for your stroke. I mean, the two of us have got a fake masters each. <laughs> Does that add up to a fake doctorate? Oh, it might do. I don't know. Do you get a ring if you bash them <laughs> together? Do you get fucking doctor powers? Or are you just no, I think going to be... look really white. <laughs> um, two things, notably. The big, big, big one single comic that I haven't read that's... The comic everybody hears about before they've even heard about comics. The one that everybody knew. The one that was literature before comics was literature. Mouse. Mouse. The Pulitzer Prize winning... I was going to say Mouse. Well, the reason I haven't read Mouse is going to surprise you all. It's because of the Holocaust. (laughs) It's just like 100% because of the Holocaust. I I just thought it would be too sad. It does have a holocaust in it. Well, exactly. I like that's not going to end well. We already know this. 
Yeah, it ends really badly. Yeah, for a lot of but people. His father, you know, obviously gets out of it because he's interviewing him and, and has had a child. That doesn't... The fact that some people survived it doesn't mean it was good. It's still not good, though. Yeah, like it wasn't good for those people either. I don't know if you've read any of the studies about how sort of... How that kind of trauma gets passed down. I've is... read Mouse. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's... All right, you wanker. Both in terms of sort of nutritional insecurity during childbearing or puberty or whatever, and in terms of this really fucked up thing happened to me and I didn't deal with it very well and I didn't deal with it in the context of my children very well and then they all got fucked up too. Not universal, of course. I don't want to sort of demonise Holocaust Holocaust survivors. survivors. (laughs) I really don't want to demonise those guys. Um, So, yeah, I think that's that's fair to say that, you know, something about the Holocaust is not an easy read. Um, But you're going to read it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to do it. Uh, The other reason was that that when I was interested in reading it, I didn't have £20. And then I sort of forgot... And One of those comics that was always available to me growing up. It was always in the library in school and really? in the okay. public library system. No, for me it was the thing. One of the like hundred coveted things in Waterstones. It would have just won Pulitzer, of course, um, because it would have been the early nineties. So no, by the early two thousands, when I was coveting books, I didn't have twenty pounds. And now I don't need £20 because you've kindly lent me a copy. Mm-hmm. So I'll read it and um, tell you how it goes. I didn't also force upon you MetaMouse, the collection of documents on how it was made, interviews, and the CD-ROM of additional materials. Do I want that? Probably or not. Can I just read let's it? Let's wait and see. No, you, you, let's, let's wait and see how you get on with the... Uh... Never again say CD-ROM of additional materials. It is materials. a CD-ROM, though. Or it might be a DVD. That doesn't exist anymore. Nothing is a CD-ROM. Your face is a CD-ROM. But fucking hell. It's got a hole in the middle. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> um, Were there any others? Yes. That you considered? Yes. Um, I am going to read The Dark Knight Returns. Okay. Oh. We've, had, we've just done Daredevil, so we've had a little bit of a... Okay. Frank Miller, you've done some great things, but oh, you've also been Frank Miller moment there. You did a bad, Frank. A lot of the bad was about prostitutes. Yeah. Well, I've got that to look forward to. I'd be interested There's to see so how you get on comics. with Dark Knight Returns, because it is, it's a comic about comics in the same way that Watchmen is. I guess, do you want to hear about why I've never read it? Go on. Because I fundamentally don't care about Batman. Yeah, no. I, I didn't care fair. about Batman at all, and then I watched the Christopher Nolan films, and I thought those were some pretty good films, but I still don't really care about Batman. You might, you might care about a psychological breakdown of Batman. Maybe. I mean, it's also, it's always been one of those things that has so much continuity in so many different runs that I've never known where to jump in and this feels well, this, like as good a point it as It sits any. separate. You yeah. sort of need to know that Superman exists. Does Green he? Arrow exists. Not in real life, okay. but within the context of the comic, certainly. Okay. Um, and, yeah, it's it's very much standalone. I mean, I Apart guess... Apart from the shitty, 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 shitty sequel. I've always kind of... I feel very sort of behind compared to you guys on a lot of the big two superhero university type stuff. Which is not so, not something you, you know, have to read if you're interested in comics. No, it's true, but you guys, you know, talk about it fluently and I feel, you know, naturally inferior. Yeah, but most of it's bollocks. I think this is yeah. one, of, one of the reasons that, you know, you, you must have read this comic is a bigger thing than you must have read this book, is that 
even even with the indie comics, it's still all sprung out of, and is all a, a cousin to the collector impulse of mainstream yeah. comics. It's also true that a lot of the people creating the stuff that I love that sits much closer to my interests do nerd out on the, a much broader range of comic stuff. You know, they're using stuff as influences that I have no concept of. Um, and that, you know, that alone is a reason to at least dip my toe in the water of the Batsman. Okay. That's my shame. Roger. That's, I know, that's pretty good. Thanks. I whipped it up for you. <laughs> That's not true. I well, you you've nabbed mouse, so now I don't have to be sad. Mm. Um, I felt you I, could both read mouse, but I you'd have to really sat, sit next to each other. I've only got one copy. I, I don't. I don't want to share read mouse. We'd be sad together. That kind of happens. I don't know. Maybe anyway. like yeah. skip out. Like how about that old Holocaust time? Like punch no, each other playfully on the arm no, and go and get dinner. No, It'd be lovely. You know, go out and, and, and throw a football around. Yeah. It's really wholesome times. I genuinely can't believe anything you and I are less likely to do than go out and throw a football around. <laughs> we I certainly can't believe anything to... you're less likely to do successfully. <laughs> <laughs> it's true for me, I don't know about him. I have no hand-eye coordination, but that doesn't affect the fact that you're a cunt. Would we be more likely to kick around a British football than throw around an American football, or are they both equally unlikely? I think we would be marginally, marginally more likely to kick a British football. What about a quick game of rounders? I could see us doing that, Yeah, actually. no, I'd quite I like can, that. I can see that. Get I some can... pins, maybe? Yeah, pins and rounders. I can see you playing croquet, to be honest. No, fuck that shit. I quite like croquet. The guy who used to be in charge of the croquet in college was an officious little cunt who used to be in the RAF. Don't, if he's listening, sorry. But I don't like you. Roger. Hello. A selection of books that you think you ought to have read but haven't. There, I mean, there's, there's bloody loads. I went through a phase of knocking down some of the Batman, which is why I've read Hush and The Long Halloween and lots of really bad Batman Long Halloween. Long Halloween's right. not that bad. Hush, Hush is, is just pretty bad. excremental. Um, so the two that stood out for me that I kind of picked up... I feel really bad about Mouse. Uh, Ms. Boys has, has bagged that one. Against it here, you've made the note, Too sad, talking animals. I'm not going to push that, but you're an imbecile. Continue. <laughs> I'm just going to let that go. You should. Um, you said you might enjoy a post-apocalyptic dog. Yeah. That's yeah. uncomfortable. My, my, talking animals. The thing is, this is the thing. My change, tastes have changed massively. I used to read comics a little bit, and then when we started selling them, I massively worked over the backlog, but still had a bunch of nonsense going on and rejected a lot of stuff out of hand. One of the things I rejected out of hand was Black Hole, which is... It's Charles Burns, isn't it? Charles Burns. Charles Burns. Um, and... I flipped through it, thought it looked really long and really fucking depressing and just far too aidsy. And just the art felt oppressive and grim and... That is kind of the point. I was an idiot. Mm. So my, my reason for not wanting to read, and I still never have, for not wanting to read Black Hole at the time when I first picked it up and considered it, was this feels like a heavy-handed, rather tedious A's allegory. It's kind of chunky and chiaroscuro-y and... Do you know what? I just can't be fucked. It just seems depressing and worthy. And I kind of got over that, but I still haven't got around to reading it. And it looks like... So I read... It looks like Howard Cruz, actually, quite a lot. Or maybe slightly more... There's things that are derived yeah. from that very, very precise um, sort of mid-20th century American yeah. illustration style. And it's... And it's, it is illustration more than comics. Mm. And it's beautiful. Well, I, I didn't appreciate that at the time. Charoscuro stuff in Adrian Tomino's early, mm -hmm. um, shorter comic stuff. Mm -hmm. He seems to have moved away from it 
recently. It's quite. It's gone to quite like line work mm. now. Mm. But no, but the reason I haven't read Lionel was I picked it up when I was getting it, when I was filling in my backlog, made some stupid assumptions, thought it was too sad, and just yeah. Well, I, you filling up your backpack. Filling in my backlog. Oh, filling in your backlog. I thought you meant stealing from your former employer. Why no? <laughs> I um. Yeah, I, just, I love that call. I genuinely thought you'd said that, and the two things can kind of <laughs> compute it equally for me based on my knowledge of you. Aww. Sorry. You can get we're, rid of that. We're getting near time, yep. so. Sorry. Um, and then I'll just pay the difference if it's good. The, the, well, we can cut it. The, we the, did, we there's did. there's a whole bunch of other stuff I haven't read, but uh, the other thing is I realised I've read nothing by um, the siblings Hernandez. Ah, uh, indeed. So Love and Rockets, basically. No Love and Rockets. Um, no love, no rockets. Because it looked like short strips in a rambling world, and I just couldn't be bothered with the the onboarding cost. It's a thirty-year-long telenovela in a sort of sci-fi environment when they remember, but they sort of drop the rockets bit quite early on. Also, and... I was worried it would just be like a glib, scratchy version of Marquez. Um, no. It's it's not. I really hated that. It's like no no no. It's not magical. I know you're not supposed to because I know it's supposed to be this transcendent experience, but it bored the teats off me. Um, is it's very much. Um, it sort of almost seems influenced by soap opera more than anything else. It oh is, God, I'm really going to hate it. It is. Um, no, it, uh, give it a chance. You should, gonna, given, Well, I have to read it anyway. Given that you given so that you, might you well give it a chance. given that you confused. Um, you know, confused soap opera with magical realism. Let's let's go with the idea that your gut feelings may not be one hundred percent accurate. They're usually wrong, uh, and and you can have a have a crack at reading it. What about you, Mister Connery? Speak your shame. I have never read anything by Chris Ware, and I feel bad about that. Chris Ware is kind of. The old transcendent luminary of comics, isn't he? Basically, you're meant to think. And I have never read any of his books despite owning three of them. Because every time I pick one up, I look at it and think, this is going to make me feel incredibly depressed. And it's going to make me feel incredibly depressed about myself in particular. Um, is it fair to say that depression is a strong motivator sort of away from these shame comics for us as people? We do appear to have avoided the things that will prime our sadness pumps. So I'm going to read um, Jimmy Corrigan, uh, Smartest Boy in the World. Do you want to know that I got a third in and I hated it so much I stopped reading it? Is that useful not really. information? It's not really. It's not usually useful information. It might be an excuse, like, uh, I tried exercise, it was terrible. <laughs> it fucking um, is. I quite like it. So I've never... You're unusual. I know, it's weird. I've, I've never read it. I'm going to read it. And we will see. Um, and I might read building stories if I find it to be a transcend, transcendentally can you, can you wonderful thing. It? I have... Got a copy in my house. I should read it. You used to have a lot more copies. Yeah, I'm still trying to give away copies. It was four quid on Amazon. I bought a ton to give them to people. Mm. Really? It was four quid on Amazon? Yeah. It's like five kilos of book. Did they yes. post it in for a stupid free? box? Do you want one? No. Yes, they posted it for free. Good Next God. day. Um, I will probably also try and read Ghost World. 
Do you have a copy? No. Okay, I've got one if you want to borrow it. I'll read yours. It's really, really good. I should read it. I've seen the film many times. I've not read the book ever, and I should. I really love Daniel Clough's art style. Again, he's quite similar to Charles Burns. I've really come around to this. I, I used to just have no time for it, and I don't know why. Maybe you split comics and design in your head. Maybe. I don't know. So I will... Um, I will try and read both of those. There are a couple of others that I picked up. I, I would love to read both Cerberus and Bone, but both of them are enormous 6,000-page yeah. epics. Cerberus are the bad pages. guys, and then they're the good guys, and then they're the bad guys. That's what you need to remember about Cerberus. That's, that's, and replaying that's Mass Effect. That's Mass Effect, rather Mass Effect. than... Ooh, I might replay Mass Effect. It's great. Although, okay, so I had red-headed Lady Shep for the first two, mm. and then for the third one I changed her hair to, like pink and purple so it's kind of like she went to space jail and had a teen rebellion <laughs> and now she just looks kind of mad and purple haired the whole time and I really really love it, Is it also she's like called a... Burrito Shepherd <laughs> tending her flock that's no. Commander Burrito to you uh, so no it's not Mass Effect uh, it's a very very long comic and it by all accounts, gets just really misogynist in the middle. So, probably gonna skip that. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe don't. Is that why you haven't read it so far? I think so, yeah. And The Invisibles. Um, and I, I, I thought you'd read The Invisibles. No, I've, I, I've tried on, to start. Yeah. I've tried to start. No, it's Doom Patrol that I keep going on <sighs> about in terms of weird Grant Morrison shit from that era. Um, Every time someone recommends The Invisibles to me, they are out of their fucking gourd on something. And that's putting me off because I'm generally just drunk. That's why I haven't read Bone. It's never been recommended to me for someone that wasn't a drugs casualty. Bone's something I want to read. And Jeff Smith seems absolutely lovely. And by all accounts, it's much nicer and sort of closer to sort of the big Disney adventure comics like the the Carl Bark stuff. But... But no, I mean, like, people that really can't hold a sentence. Just really serious. Yeah. Yeah, man. Really yeah, serious, man. yeah. Yeah. It's like a comic. It's that, that kind of, it just... So we're going to go away, and we are going to eat our shame. Yeah. And we're going to read these comics. Yeah. And we're going to see if we were right to avoid them, or if we were just twitchy, feral children. Who are afraid of being sad. Yeah. We're all going to be really sad. We're all going to be super sad. The, it's going to be the suicide it's, the suicide podcast. You've got, like, double sadness. Oh, no, you've got... I've got sad sadness and, and anti-sadness. You've got sad and Frank. Frank Miller. Frank Miller, yes. Mm. Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking right. about my brain problems. No, no, no. I thought you were meaning, like, she'd, she'd rolled a six <laughs> and then got an extra roll. No, when no, they were handing no. our brains. You've got, you've got Holocaust sadness, and then you've got to deal with Frank Miller. Yeah, I've got. Well, well, when then when you said sad and Frank, I thought you meant I had a drug problem, as in talk to Frank. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I've got, I've got body horror, sadness, and body horror, and well, what might be plucky and soapy? It might be sad as well, though. And I've got ennui and teenage ennui. So we're going to be so upbeat for the next one. Join us then. Ooh. Goodbye. Yeah. I made ghost noises. Thank you.